0: welcome back to the gutsiest brands podcast the show built around understanding the dna of gutsy brands by talking to the world's most innovative brand leaders at Gut Check, we make it our business to understand brands. And over the years, we've learned that gutsy brands have a lot of common factors. We've identified four primary criteria that help us measure a gutsy brand. We feature brands that are empathetic, pioneering, bold, and demonstrate the power of and. Those that see opportunity where others force trade-offs. When we find a brand leader we think embodies gutsiness, we invite them to the show to explore what makes them so successful, what drives them every day, and to get their perspective on gutsy brands out in the world. In today's episode, Gut Check CEO and Springsteen superfan Rob Wangle sits down to chat with Ellen Bradley, the chief brand officer and SVP Marketing and Communications for National Marine Manufacturers Association, the leading trade association for the North American recreational boating industry. Listen in while Robin Ellen discuss how she found her way from a degree in journalism to manning the helm in the boat industry, and how she tackles selling a lifestyle versus a product. Kick back and enjoy another episode of the Gutsiest Brands podcast.
1: Hey, Ellen. Welcome.
2: Hi, Rob. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here with you.
1: We're thrilled. So, I I want to really beyond kind of your title and and so forth. We want to make sure that um, the audience gets to know you as a human being. So, tell us tell us who Ellen is.
2: Ellen is a uh, a mom of two little kids, a six year old and a three year old. A wife uh, in Chicago. A Chicago resident. We live in the city, not far from the lake, and I'm a I'm a an avid runner, and so I get to spend a lot of time, especially in the summer months, on the on the lakefront uh, on the trail there, which is great. Um, from St. Louis, Missouri, went to journalism school. Yeah, that's that's me.
1: And from journalism school, you you entered the world of PR before, kind of a more broad marketing role. Is that accurate? I
2: did. I did. Well, I grew up my my dad was an English teacher and so I always kind of had from as early as I can remember this just deep love for words and and so I and I had started exploring that at the school newspaper in high school and then in college and and I went to the University of Missouri in Columbia to their journalism school and uh, quickly realized that the reporting side for me was not as exciting as the marketing, PR, advertising side. So that was the the segment that I, I majored in because I was watching the students in the advertising sector get to... Um, create these big stories that maybe weren't necessarily reported on as facts, but were getting people very excited. So that was kind of where my career led me.
1: And continue, where did your career lead you?
2: After journalism school, I I had, um, I majored in the advertising sector, which is now I think called integrated communications at at Mizzou. And um, I went out to Los Angeles. I got a a job at a PR agency out there and uh, was working on everything from a, the trade association for DVDs. I'm going to age myself here, <laughs> but back when DVDs were all the rage, they actually had a trade association for them. So that was my first exposure to trade associations.
1: Hey, you you didn't say A track You didn't say the a track <laughs> trade association. So you're good.
2: My my kids would have no clue what a DVD is, and most, I guess, uh, Gen Z would have no clue. But yes, um, there was a trade association for that that I I worked on. And um, I also worked on some entertainment clients. I worked uh, at an entertainment firm out there representing television shows and films and athletes and actors, et cetera. And then uh, found myself in Chicago at a, another PR firm and long story short, my, one of my clients at the PR firm in Chicago, uh, left to be the chief marketing officer at the national Marine manufacturers association, which is a little bit of a mouthful. And he called me about a year into his role and said, Hey, there's, there's a, there's a role here that I think that you might like, you should come check it out. And I was like, what is this place? Uh, voting trade association and what do they do? I don't get it and the um, people at, that I met immediately during even the interview process were incredibly passionate and really really just a, a cool group of people having a lot of fun and doing some really impactful work for an industry that I I, I couldn't pass up
1: so tell, tell us about what is what is the association what is the mission of the association what is the main focus?
2: We are the leading trade association, trade group for the North American uh, recreational boat engine and marine accessory manufacturers. So anything that goes on a boat in a boat, the boats that the privately owned boats, recreation. So not commercial, um, not cruise ships or anything like that. If this is just the boat recreational boating in the United States and in Canada. And our mission truly is to support the business interests of our members, to end of our end of the boating consumer to make boating the number one recreational activity. And we are right now. We are right now. So we're to hold that position.
1: That's awesome. You're you're, you're beating back pickleball.
2: Yes. Um, <laughs> Although that's yeah, well, pickleball's another whole topic.
1: That I'm sure it is with a couple of associations. Well, um, so, you're the chief brand officer and head of communications, right? No, what does that entail?
2: So, it is a new role at the association, and I moved into it about two and a half years ago. It comprises all of our marketing, our digital, our PR, communications, there are public affairs components. There are also, I oversee our business intelligence and our research team. Um, so, it's really my responsibility and I, and the team that that I work with, we are charged with really helping to drive uh, the recreational boating industry's brand and, and message to to the general public, uh, as well as among our membership and uh, among uh, policymakers.
1: We've had the the good fortune in these um, gutsiest brands podcast to talk to a number of people from big companies to uh, founders, but all of them had traditional brands. Your brand is boating. Your brand is recreational boating. Talk about what, and you've in your prior life have have worked on a lot of individual brands. Talk talk about the difference between trying to market an experience uh, beyond just an individual product or brand. Uh,
2: At first, I remember just moving into this role. It it feels a little bit daunting to, try to wrap your head around how do you how do you build a brand for an activity a general for right and you know when you're when you're working with a brand a, 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 a consumer package good or uh, an ind- individual company it's different because you've got that product or service that you're delivering and you know within the boundaries of that exact product or service what you need to really accomplish and who your exact um, who's buying it. And you can kind of see, uh, that full sales cycle and you have a little bit, I, I feel like a little bit more controls, not the word, but it kind of is. Um, and when you step into marketing an entire industry and communicating on behalf of an entire industry, you've got a lot of pieces that you have to think about. Now we we've got our, our members, we have about 1300 members And they make everything from small canoes and kayaks and and aluminum, small aluminum fishing boats up to what we call yachts, which would be 60 foot plus types of boats. So anything that you can get into for 500 bucks all the way up to 5 million and and more. But um, thinking about that full product uh, group, thinking about the different types of people that use those different products and the different types of lifestyles. And how do we, understanding how we can effectively engage the audience that is quite broad uh, and do it in a way that that's going to resonate with each of those different groups has definitely been tricky, but it's also been a heck of a lot of fun because when you learn about people who buy boats, no matter if it's uh, a personal watercraft, which is like a jet ski or a Sea-Doo, or if it's uh, a fishing boat, a, a water sports boat, you learn that they all have an inherent just interest in being outdoors, being active um, for the most part. Um, they, yeah, outdoor recreation is kind of that thread that runs through them. And I know you, you spend some time in Maine, you know that Some of the boating I'm sure you see is probably very different than some of the boating that might happen on the the southeast coast of Florida with sport fishing boats and flat fishing boats. So it's it's very different all around the country and, and in Canada. So making sure that we're relevant to so many different audiences and talking about boating, not so much as a product, but as a lifestyle.
1: This is not like another brand, like even someone like BMW and automobiles that goes from a BMW 1. To an eight that has a range to it. It's still a much tighter range than what you just described. And the audience is, is narrower. So let's unpack it a little bit. So talk a little bit more about, let's start with audience. How do you go about understanding such a wide range of, you know, from the, the family that throws two kayaks on the roof of their Subaru on a weekend to the person who has a yacht uh, sitting docked in Newport, Rhode Island?
2: We uh, just prior to the pandemic realized that it was time for us to do a brand refresh, and then the pandemic hit, and we knew, okay, we really need to do this, and we really need to look at our audience to understand how they're changing, if they're changing. We all know that each of us went through our own evolution during the pandemic. There's no question that the general public and and our consumer, our target, went through their own thing. So, under really understanding that was top of mind for us. And so we went out and we brought on an agency. We work with Cutwater out of uh, San Francisco and in New York. And um, we also have a really fantastic in-house business intelligence and research team. So combining those two um, teams, we dove into our audience to really get at first and foremost, the mindset of where they were. Um, and it was really interesting. Uh, We talked to people who had been longtime boat owners. We talked to people who had just bought a boat. And I don't know, I I didn't mention this yet, but during 2020 and 2021, you know, at first when the pandemic hit, like most industries, we were like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? How is this going to impact us? And we were actually very fortunate in that a lot of people turned to boating during the pandemic. It was this escape. It was this way to safely connect with other people, their close friends and family, be outdoors. Um, and people weren't traveling. They weren't going to sporting events. But boating pre- provided this this almost oasis for a lot of people. And so...
1: It's fascinating.
2: Yeah, it, it was really... And it that momentum has thankfully continued to this day. But we when we talked to the people, so we saw a lot of people come in. We talked to first-time boat buyers, people who just bought their first boat. And then we talked to people who were considering boating and thinking about, yeah, maybe voting, maybe I do want to buy a boat. And the, a word that came up, no matter which group we talked to, was freedom. And we had people submit photos of what does boating feel like to you? And no one submitted a photo of a boat. No one submitted a photo of them sitting on a boat. They submitted photos of birds. Or of people, one person submitted a photo of jumping on a trampoline. Um, And so this, this sense of freedom, which was really defined very uniquely by each person, they had their own interpretation and their own definition of what freedom meant to them. But there was this overall sense of freedom. And so we really, we took that and we used that to build a campaign that could talk to all these different groups in, through this lens of freedom and what that feels like.
1: Well, as I, I listen to you, it's, it's, it's fascinating because in the earlier stages, I'll call it summer one of the pandemic, I'm isolated. I might have a really small group of friends or family that I, I'm comfortable being around. Right. I, need, I need to be outdoors, but this is a way to be really active. Makes all the sense in the world. And then even as, and we're not fully, fully out of the pandemic, but as we emerge, one of the things we found in a lot of our work is people just are hungry for connection. So you kind of hit it on both sides. Like when I've got a very limited group of people, I'm comfortable being around because I'm not sitting in movie theaters and going to concerts and, and going to big festivals. It served that one really important need. And now today, well I'm trying to emerge and socialize and reconnect. It does as well. And I imagine even the idea of just the, the feeling of being on the water. You know, there's def- definitely something that is you know, proven to be different when you're on the water versus being a land dweller.
2: Yeah, you can only access uh, two-thirds of the earth or water, right? So you can only access that by boat. So there are these unique moments and, and experiences that you truly can only have on the water. And you hit it, actually, Rob, the, the, during that second year of the pandemic in 2021, when people were still kind of they were coming out of that year one and feeling like that hunger for connection. The, uh, uh, in addition to freedom among each of the audiences that we talked to, we learned that uh, community and, and and being social was another thread that ran very heavily through each of those groups. And um, there is, it's, I don't know if you've ever been out on the water, but it's really interesting. And it was a little bit of an experiment Particularly even now, with how heightened the political space has been and how emotional uh, that people find themselves uh, given whatever uh, side of the aisle that they sit. And when you're on the water, that's that doesn't exist. Everybody waves to each other. There's nobody's nobody's angry. Nobody's pointing fingers. It's like, you don't care what's going on. You wave to to all the fellow boaters on the water, and there's just this breakdown of of uh, any kind of stress that happens on the. It's just it's gone, and so you're just there to connect with other people, have fun, relax. And we really wanted to be able to capture those feelings and and tell that story to people who are considering: Do I get into boating? What? Why? Why should I really? get into this lifestyle, what does it have to offer? And and capturing that freedom and that community really has been a way for us to to break through. So, and we looked, we did a deep dive into the marketing materials that we had been producing and the the ads, the creative across the industry, everywhere we looked, it was like that person driving their boat and feeling very, the, the status and control and people were sitting in the back. And usually it was uh, some women sitting in the back and a man driving a boat and um, everybody's dry and their hair's perfect. <laughs> and that is nothing like the boating experience. So we intentionally with our, with, with our agency uh, when we were going into, to do new creative, we, and just our overall strategy, we didn't want to talk about the boat. We don't want to talk about the different types of boats because it doesn't matter. It's the boat is the, is the vehicle that takes you, to these adventures and takes you to these moments. It's not the focus. So let's let's instead focus on those adventures and moments. So we removed the boats from our creative, which sounds counterintuitive, but we instead focus on the different people and the moments and experiences and the unique memories that they were that they've been able to create.
1: And then your mix of vehicles to promote is again a little bit different than maybe a traditional product. And I know talk a little bit how how you reach people. I know you have boat shows. You have a variety of different ways to connect.
2: We do. So we are unique uh, for a trade association in that we have this pretty substantial consumer arm. Now there are others out there. The RV industry has a similar campaign. Uh, Go RVing. We have our our boating campaign, which is Discover Boating. One of our strategic advantages in terms of connecting with our customers is. Um, the fact that we produce boat shows around the country and they're not like auto shows and where you kind of just you go and you kind of see the coolest new stuff, but you can actually buy at boat shows. So people come to boat shows to to shop and to buy their next boat. Um, so they've been a really strong sales and marketing vehicle for the industry for a number of years and they they still are. So we have our boat shows and we have them all around the country. Uh, One of the largest is in Miami, the Miami International Boat Show. We have one in New York, Chicago, Atlanta, Boston, et cetera. So we have this presence in in major markets. And then we have our awareness marketing campaign, which is uh, the Discover Boating kind of annual campaign that is heavy during those summer months for obvious reasons. That's when a lot of people are interested in paying attention to boating, whereas the boat shows actually take place in the fall and in the winter. Um, and then we have a very robust um, digital experience and platform. So we help people figure out what kind of boat is right for them. We provide resources to new boaters, uh, education, safety, uh, all kinds of of content that really allows uh, all different levels and skills and interests of boaters to come together and, and take advantage of. So through this kind of ecosystem of of channels, we've really been able to design a very kind of full circle, full funnel consumer experience. Ultimately, now we're not selling the boats, right? With the exception of that our boat goes, the exhibitors are selling boats. But one of our big jobs is to make sure that we're building that interest and, and helping people really figure out how to be how to enter the industry, how to become a voter. And then we hand them off to the brands, to the manufacturers and the boat dealers who then do their thing.
1: So who's your competition?
2: For a long time, I think we, we thought, oh gosh, other outdoor recreation is our competition, right? Uh, RVs or uh, hiking or tennis or golf. But when we got into the pandemic, what was really interesting is boating wasn't the only outdoor segment that saw growth. All outdoor recreation saw tremendous growth. Uh, And so together we grew. And that was a little bit of a light bulb moment for us. And so we dug into it a little bit and it is clear to us that international travel and one of probably the biggest competitors is kids sporting activities. Right. Um, Because parents, families, spend
1: it can dominate a weekend. It can
2: Yes. So uh, when that is in full swing, it's hard, I think, for people to justify getting a boat because you use for the most part, people use their boats on the weekend. And so breaking through that and so those kids sporting events and some of those other recreational pursuits that take up a lot of time are what are more of our, our competition, because a lot of people who buy RVs actually tow boats. The outdoor segments aren't necessarily our competition. It's really more of those day-to-day recreation uh, activities. Even um, working from home has been a wonderful thing for the boating industry. Uh, a lot of people have, and similar to other industries and brands, Airbnb being one of them, we've seen people spend spending more time at home. They're working from their boats. So they're justifying that purpose right. by saying- I'd hey, like to be this, able to do that. Yeah. Right. Right. So we see, we find people working on their boats. We find people uh, being able to get out on their boat in the late afternoon, whereas before they were stuck in their commute. So there are people are, boaters are able to use their boats a lot more often because of this new remote work environment, which has been fantastic. And I,
1: and I think you create a little bit of the fear of missing out FOMO, right?
2: Major FOMO. We, we lean into the FOMO because it's, uh, there's no question that when, yeah, when you have a if you have a colleague who's working from her boat all week, exactly, you're like, wait a minute, what am I'm, I'm doing something wrong?
1: <laughs> Are there other things from all the other brand work you've done that you found kind of drives inspiration for work you've done on other brands and that you've carried over into what you're doing now?
2: A lot of inspiration, quite honestly, comes from pop culture and um so we we watch a lot of we spend a lot of time as a team on tiktok uh we learn a lot about our audience from from tiktok and some of the things that are resonating with them and how they're reacting to different uh trends and topics and we also get a lot of inspiration from the sports world um a lot of our of our audiences are sports fans um and that's another freedom community and sports are these threads that run through all of our different audiences and so we we actually um we watch very closely just some of the fan behaviors and interests uh across the different sports leagues from the NBA and and the uh uh major league baseball down to just some of the more um uh day-to-day activities golf etc
1: we 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 probably have a long discussion about tiktok and do do you actually create and promote some of your own videos on TikTok to spur others?
2: We right now have dipped our toe into TikTok by working with a number of voting influencers. So voters who are already on TikTok and have followings. um, And they're able to kind of share their own stories and adventures and help people get back to our website to learn how to get started themselves. So we've been very fortunate to find a really good group of of influencers on that platform who are boaters and spending time on the water. Um, but we haven't, we actually just hired a new social media manager and I talked with her the other day. I said, Hey, wh- I'm, I'm, I'm waiting eagerly for she's like two weeks in um, for your, for your TikTok strategy and, and how we can start building our own content. So it's coming. We're, we're, we're building or li- she's building the plan.
1: I'm going to switch gears. I'm going to move you to lightning round. So we've talked about we've found, as I mentioned, the DNA of a gutsiest brand. Um, so I'm going to ask you to first I'm going to go through each kind of element of the DNA of a brand, and I want you to tell me the either the first brand or campaign that comes to mind, um, and feel free to name a brand that you've experienced in any way. So first one is empathy, some a brand that truly gets people.
2: I'm going to say Airbnb. You know, I watched what, how they behaved during the pandemic, particularly with their employees. And their CEO Brian Chesky came out with this statement about work from home, and he really related it to the their their workforce and to their 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 hosts. And it was how he captured the feelings that people were going through, and how he recognized and the organization recognized. Some of the pain points that the people were having, and some of the opportunities that they were having, was I thought incredibly refreshing and pretty gutsy. Because at that time, there, I think a lot of companies, particularly of their size, and and uh, were were hesitant to come out with that kind of a a bold kind of flag in the ground. And and I thought that was really really cool that they were putting their their workers and their um their their key partners, their hosts first.
1: Pioneering creating a new way of thinking, being innovative, a new way of doing business.
2: I'm going to go back to, I, one of the, again, I'm going to date myself here, but um, one of the clients that I had an opportunity to work with early on in my career uh, was the, I did the opening and helped with the, the comms and marketing for the Palms Casino Resort in Las Vegas, which um, at the time was this, the, the, the individual who was, the opening this casino it was very non-traditional it was off the strip it was this kind of it was more entertainment focused but for adults not and not adult entertainment but not not <laughs> like a lot of las vegas had started to create a lot of family oriented right, right. and so this was like no we're not We're not trying to attract families. We're actually going to be off strip and we are going to have the who's who, and everybody is going to want to be at this property and socialize and and have fun. And it's going to be the best party in Las Vegas. I remember it was happening right after um, nine 11. And we were like, how are we going to, there's no way people are going to want to travel to Las Vegas after, you know, given the kind of the climate at the time, but Long story short, he was an incredible innovator in the sense of helping us think very, very differently about how we engaged uh, that that casino goer. And it wasn't it was him prioritizing the locals uh, because and knowing that they were going to be an incredible source and foundation of of really building. Yeah. And, and so. We had a very big local campaign and a lot of the big properties kind of had these big international campaigns at the time. And so we had a very local driven campaign. But then we he also said, but then there needs to be a a very small strategic way to start attracting travelers and bringing them back to Las Vegas. And so we did a lot of partnerships uh, a lot of partnerships with a number of different high profile celebrities and athletes and um, getting them to the property had this kind of uh, long-term kind of breadcrumb uh, strategy that that over time did and people flocked to this property. Um, so anyhow, breaking through and be, thinking very differently and taking risks, uh, particularly during a time in our economy and in our, our, our culture that where people weren't. Uh, I thought was, it was very cool to be a part of that.
1: It it wasn't just a theme park.
2: It wasn't just a theme park. Yeah. And it it had, it had some, some really great staying power. um, And, and, and was a great, was a great journey to be a part of it. I I learned a lot.
1: So this one might be, you know, I I've already recognized that um, you not focusing on the boat in your own campaign might be the answer. But if you have another one standing behind a bold idea, even if it's not popular,
2: I would say, and I, I we do still get a little bit of pushback on that. Um, I got an email the other day. How come you're not showing these boats? Um, and so <laughs> i I would say i'm I'm certainly biased, but we not showing boats and really honing in on on individual people and their boating stories and their moments versus the types of boats that they use has has for us been a very gutsy bold move that so far is working really well the traffic to our site is actually up um 30% um once the campaign launched which has been fantastic one of the thing one of the brands that i i think uh and i i think that this probably re- comes to mind for a lot of people but um nike has done a really great job of when things aren't popular, and I'm gonna butcher his name because my husband tells me I say it wrong every time because I'm not a huge sports fan, but uh, Colin, you say it. Kaepernick. Kaepernick. <laughs> but when <laughs> but when, um, when that that happened, particularly given the political climate, and and I know every brand right now is sitting around the table as a team trying to navigate a, a, a very sensitive space. Um, but Nike has really stuck with their values and stuck with their customer base. And at a moment that was really, really sensitive, they went out and said, Hey, we're doing this. And I remember at first I was at a, a, a conference and there was talk, Oh, that's not good. It's not working for Nike and their sales are down. And they're seeing some, there was a, a lot of chatter about how it wasn't the right move. And now you look back and actually it was, I mean, over time, they've been able to, to build their their customer base and, and have a lot of brand champions and advocates as a result. So I, I think that it's brands like that, that really do the right thing in a moment of crisis or a, a moment of, of um, uncertainty. And who take that risk and say, this is who we are, uh, that is, I think, one of the gutsiest things that a brand can do. And, and, and I think that even in the moment when that, when if the, if the brand does the right thing and what they believe to be right, uh, and it maybe doesn't hit the, in the right way over time, as we've looked at how brands kind of get through that, it does work because the, your customer is going to recognize that and that's going to be what, what gets it- them engaged.
1: And it's interesting because one of the things you've talked about in your industry is connecting to other generations. And I, I believe it's one of the ways that Nike has stayed extraordinarily relevant to a variety of a, a much more diverse audience and a variety of generations and not limiting themselves. So uh, I think it's a great call out. Uh, this one's a little bit harder. Is there a brand that stands out and, and it might even connect to some of what you just described? when others are forced to compromise and they see trade offs this brand actually kind of seizes the moment and seizes an opportunity
2: you know i think one of the brands that we've watched really closely just given that we work in the outdoor space has been yeti they've been a model in a lot of ways for what we've been doing on the boating side of things because they're not necessarily or they're not talking about their products their coolers they're talking about the different experiences where you might use one of their products. Right. And so, whereas I think particularly for a, um, an outdoor gear kind of, I mean, these are, these are mugs and coolers, right. I mean, (laughs) but they've turned it into this lifestyle and there's, they, they kind of, uh, have they have done a very good job of capturing the emotions that come with a lot of those adventures and and outdoor moments that I don't think a lot of outdoor brands have been able to do. Um, and,
1: and and they've maintained you know price points that are probably significantly higher than the average in the, their respective categories.
2: And they have this mass. I mean, people are just they love their Yeti products and. I mean, they're so proud. I mean, and I I see this firsthand down at the boat dock. I mean, people have their their coolers and they're they're comparing. <laughs> I have
1: my my I have my iced tea and my yeti all right? set.
2: I've seen people be like, "Oh, you have that one." Oh, well, I have this. Let me show you what this. Is. I mean, but they really get behind it. But it's not necessarily. I think sure, there's it's gorgeous product design and it's, it has a lot of great functionality. Uh, but I think it's also this pride of like, I'm an outdoors person. I I'm. I'm an adventurist. And, um, whereas, a, a, I don't, I don't think a lot of outdoor brands have been able to, to capture those types of feelings in that way that, that they've done. So kudos to Yeti. All
1: right. Now we're going to get a little bit more personal and ask you to spill your guts and we'll get to know you as a human a, a bit more. We've been talking all about brands, but, um, If you go back in time, what's the first brand you remember as a child and why, why is it an important memory?
2: First brand that I remember as a child, and this is going to sound wild, Whitney Houston, you know, not a typical brand, right? But as a, as an artist, she certainly had her brand and was, was building her brand. But I, I will never forget the, it was my first cassette tape, again, dating myself here, but it was the the blue background and she had the white tank top on and like Whitney was written in this like cursive in the corner and that just this, this woman on this cassette tape that, and my dad had a lot of music, but I never, this female artist uh, was kind of new to me. And and I just thought it was the coolest thing. So I wanted to be Whitney Houston and, and, um, but I remember just thinking, and that was, how artists and how talent were kind of positioning themselves as brands over time is one of the things that actually drew me into uh, that side of, of, yeah, into entertainment and and marketing and and PR on the entertainment side. And even today, being able to do that is, is increasingly difficult. But thinking back to that time period, she was a phenomenal brand.
1: Book or movie that represents your career journey?
2: One of the books that probably, Death by Meetings. Patrick Lencioni's death by meetings, uh, I have actually spent a lot of time refining and making sure that whether it's in my work life or whether it's in my personal life, making sure that how I communicate and convene people is done in a more efficient way. Um, And because I don't know about you, but I know that a lot of the people, particularly in the marketing and PR space that I talk with are like, I spend my entire day on in meetings. So, uh, and we spend a lot of time as a team talking about that and how we can make sure that we are being a lot more effective with how we spend our days, particularly in this work from home environment on Zoom. So I know that's probably not a very exciting answer.
1: No, well, and if, you're, and if your meetings are all in a boat, then it is definitely better.
2: Well, that's what we're working for actually we need to our team needs more meetings on boats so everybody needs more th- more meetings on it's boats it's a good thing
1: you're near a lakefront <laughs> yeah. i can't describe my job to a child they don't get it it's or it's hard for me to simplify how would you describe your job to a child and you have two young ones what do you tell your what do you tell your kids you do for a living
2: it's really interesting. I mean, my kids, speaking of meetings too, they're like, my daughter said to me the other day, I, cause she said, I was, I have a home office and I was jumping into my home office and she said, where are you? I said, I have a meeting. She goes, oh, meetings. And she sticks. And I, I, that, <laughs> that was very relatable for a lot of people. Um, but how I describe my job to my own kids and how I would describe it to others is I help people go voting whether it's renting and that's I didn't touch on that side of the business, but we we help people get started and just figuring out if boating is something that they're interested in. So whether it's a boat club, whether it's taking a class, whether it's renting, there are there are actually peer-to-peer uh companies out there where if you own a boat, you can invite someone out to use your boat. So we we help people go boating.
1: That, that's pretty fun. Most people don't have jobs like that.
2: It's very fun. I'm not going to lie.
1: Do you have um, a particular piece of advice to other brand marketers on, and business leaders on how to help their brands be successful, break through, be gutsy?
2: One of the things that, that we say in on our team is uh, we have to be really real with ourselves. Well, I know that whenever we've tried to do something that maybe isn't really real and re- isn't really us, it's backfired. And so we have to spend a lot of time thinking about, is this us? Is this who we are? And ask ourselves that question as basic as a social post. And so everybody across the team thinks through that lens, Uh, whether it's a social post, whether it's messaging that we write for our CEO, whether it's uh, an ad. And so uh, running things through that lens of being really real is... I think, um, a really fantastic place to start.
1: You, you, I love it. Very few things beat authenticity.
2: Yeah, exactly. And, um, uh,
1: that's awesome. It's,
2: it's hard, but it's gutsy as you know, when, when brands do it right.
1: All right. Now even more personal, we're compiling a gutsy brand Spotify playlist. What song would you like to add?
2: So I love this question, but I feel a little pressure and some of the, my friends who might see this might know this, but I, I am, well, I'm a former DJ. And so if picking the right song is, uh, is very important. However, I also work in the boating industry. So I feel like I probably need to leave, leave you with a boating related and nautical theme song, but it's one that I would absolutely play in a DJ set uh, with a little bit mixed in with a little bit of, of some, some other songs, but it would be Sailing by Christopher Cross.
0: Sailing takes me away to where I'm
1: away. There you go. I, I was expecting Whitney to come through again, but... I
2: know, I know. I, I should have... I should... I, well, I do have a lot of Whitney on my, on my set, but not... But Christopher Cross Sailing, there's something... It's really funny... <laughs> It's this mellow song, but when you play it on a boat, uh, no matter what kind of generation, it's really fun. People are just, they love it. And so the reaction that it that it elicits from people on the water is fun to watch. So that's why I would pick it.
1: And then you've got okay, on, on Sirius XM radio, you have a whole station, Yacht Rock Radio, right?
2: We do. I mean, even on Spotify, There are so many boating playlists, and uh, and and that you asked about inspiration earlier. Music is a significant source of inspiration, not only for myself, but for for what we do on on the brand marketing side, and uh, and boating and music go hand in hand. I don't know uh, about you, but anytime we're out on the water, or I'm out on the water with anyone, the music is crucial to the to the experience.
1: And that that's the What do we call the boating tailgates when everyone gets together socially? Is there a name for that?
2: Well, we call it boat gating. Um, Okay. Yeah. Oh, well, or um, when you tie up with other boats, flotillas.
1: And there are probably music battles and competition that occur.
2: Well, yeah. And in particular, yes. And there are some events even in Chicago here. There are a couple summer parties where Yeah, the the music is clearly the the central theme. You can hear the the beats, the the bass from Lakeshore Drive.
1: Hey, Ellen, it's been a pleasure. Thank you um, for your perspective. I I love the idea of thinking about experience and a lifestyle as um, being a brand to be promoted. And um, the boating industry is probably thrilled to have you doing what you do. So thanks for joining us.
2: Thank you. This was really fun. Thanks for having me, Rob. Appreciate it.
0: Well, Rob, that was a fun episode. I was reminiscing about summer, and I must admit, Ellen has me pumped to go on my very first sailing trip, which I actually booked for my upcoming vacation.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I want to just race out and and get on the water right now, whether it's jumping in a kayak or, or tubing off the back of someone's boat.
0: So I think it's safe to say a lot of us learned about a new industry today. That being said, what do you think your greatest takeaway from the episode was?
1: fascinating. We've had the the great pleasure to speak to a whole bunch of entrepreneurs and marketers who are building traditional brands. And the notion of not really representing a brand, but actually uh, building and promoting an experience, a lifestyle, a whole set of activities that actually has this extraordinary range from me jumping in a kayak to you on a sailboat to someone in a small yacht. It's just a a fascinating thought around when you have to be gutsy and build a brand, but you're really selling people on what they should do with their lives and their time. Um, I just found that really interesting.
0: I did, too. There were so many aspects I never really thought of. You see it every day when you watch a show and someone's on a boat. Um, But I didn't really think about how you promote that entire lifestyle or so many different types of boats. Like you said, from a kayak to a yacht. Um, there's just so many different aspects about it. I found it very interesting
1: and, and the other part that she kind of references that this shift they made from kind of selling the thing, the boat, whatever kind of boat to to selling that lifestyle to it's all more about the outcomes. and in fact, a lot of their communication might not even feature the boat but feature the family in the boat um and all the the emotions and connections that occur as a result of that. Um, it's, it, and I think there are some meaningful lessons that are applicable to brands as well. that uh, that that notion of it's not just about the function or the product, but it's about the experience and the outcome um, and the benefits. and that's what people are buying, whether they're buying a, a boat or buying you know a new kind of toothpaste.
0: Thanks again for joining us for another episode of the Gutsiest Brands podcast. If you haven't already, be sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss our next episode. If you like what you're hearing, please consider sharing our episode with a friend and leaving us a five-star review. See you next time.